Well, it is time for Sunday morning, and we are glad to have you with us again. Hey, I'm Pastor Joe from the Vineyard Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky, and we are excited to be on another platform doing something that reaches so far. Obviously, this is not a normal Sunday for us, and I'm not in a normal location. But one of the things that I wanted to do for fun in the midst of everything that's going on is each time that we do our service, we're going to do it from somewhere else. And I'm in one of my absolute 100% favorite places in the world uh, today. Um, And so I'm excited to be here. And we are excited to have you with us um, as we look at this message. Now, we have uh, begun to ramp up towards Easter. We don't know what Easter is going to look like, but at this time, we're kind of just planning. We're still doing our sermon series, I Saw God, and I'm looking at a number of different places that we look at people in the scripture that saw God, and what did they see God do? And we look at uh, um, John uh, last week, and we were in the book of John in the first chapter, and he was talking about the idea that he saw God, like, not like I saw God do something, but John was saying like, I saw God, Emmanuel, God with us, and, and, and I can testify to this, and what I saw, I want to share with you. And we know that John wrote his book so that uh, many would uh, hear and believe, um, and that was the purpose of it, if you uh, read to the end. Uh, and so we're excited about that. So today I want to talk about another aspect of I saw God, and I want to talk about the compassion uh, of God. I want to talk about um, John and Luke, um, and we're going to look at two stories, but the idea that they saw God being compassionate. You see, we get this idea, um, maybe falsely or wrongly or whatever it might be, but we kind of get this idea that that God is an angry God and he's up there shaking his fist and he's just waiting for us to step out of line and we're just afraid that he's some, some kind of a, 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 just a, just a terrible God that um, wants to beat us or abuse us. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I kind of grew up that's, that was my, my understanding of who God was. He was just waiting for me personally to step out of line. Um, but then I saw God. I saw God in his compassion. I saw, Joe Wood saw God in his mercy. And those are the things that I want to talk with us about today. And so as we enter into that, let me just begin by saying, hey, how are you doing? We're kind of in the middle of it right now. And I know that uh, it can be, you know, making us all go stir crazy. And I hope that you're being careful. I hope that you're listening to those that are in authority. And whether you agree with it or not, let's just, let's put that out there. It doesn't matter. But how can we all participate to an appropriate degree and be very careful so that we can kind of get past this or through this because we're not going to get around it or over it. We've got to go through it. Let's go through it the best we can, okay? But part of that is what we mean um, by reaching out and looking around too. Um, I'll talk about this later, but I'm really kind of concerned about single people and single parents. Um, I don't know why I woke up that with all that on my heart today, but but it is, and, and uh, we, we just need to kind of be aware of everybody as we're going into this. And so my prayer is that you are doing very well. Some of you are locked at home with children, and you're at that place, you know, however long it's been, a weekend, and you're going crazy. And I just want you to know that our Vineyard Kids page on Facebook has activities. So if you're not a part of that, you might just just see if you can uh, get accepted in, sign into that. And uh, there's going to be activities for your kids to be a part of um, to help uh, teach them about Jesus, not just distract them. We don't want to just distract people. We want to teach people about Jesus. And we want to see where God is going to take us as a community of faith and as a church, little c, around the world. 
Where is the church going to have the most impact in the midst of all of this? And how can we bring the glory to God? But let me just bring this because I want to talk about God is love. I want to talk about the love of God. Uh, so let me read this to you from John 3, 16 and 17. You're probably very, very familiar with it. I'm going to back up and give you some background on it. But let me just share this with you because Jesus says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but would have eternal life. And then he goes on to that. A lot of times people will stop there, but it's imperative that we read the next verse with it because um, it, it, they can't be um, extracted from one another. Jesus goes on to say, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so we recognize that God loved the world, and he loved the world so much that he sent his son into the world. And so we come to the understanding that God's not mad at the world. And so you'll hear people say very foolish things like, this is some sort of a punishment from God, or God is spanking us all because we've been this or that. I'm not saying God can't make something of what's going on in our world right now. I'm just telling you, God is not in the business of saying, I'm so mad at everybody, I'm just going to kill them. Because we are living under the umbrella of the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is not being poured out on us personally. At times we're given over to ourselves. But we need to understand that God is love. And I want to talk about that. Hands down, John 3, 16, probably one of the most famous Bible verses of all time. At least verse 16 is, you go to the football game, you go to the hockey game, somebody's holding a placard up and they're doing this. And maybe if they zoom in on one of the athlete's faces, they've got it in the blackout right here underneath their eye. And it says like John 3, 16. You may have seen that in the last five or 10 years. But we're, we're looking at that. It, it, it's just a very, very famous verse. It's, al it's almost, you know, just a patronizing verse, but it's so powerful and it's so important. We look at this verse and it says a lot about who God is. Just in, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then the second part where it goes into, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. When we look at that together, that is so powerful. And there's a place for us in, in, in our homes today to, to just stop with those two verses at the kitchen table or on your couch or whatever it is. Just stop and go, do I believe this? Do I believe that God is love and that God loves the world and he loves the world so much that he allowed his son to come down here and die for you and I because he wants us to be where he is? Well, I believe that. God is love. Now look at here. God is not lovely. God is not loving. God is love. And if God is love, if he is inextricably love, then we understand that it includes lovely and loving. But he is not one of these two. He is this. God is love. And we can count on that. We live in tough times. And the truth of the matter is, it makes us wonder sometimes. But definitively, God is love. Basically, things happen in people's lives and they begin to challenge the idea, is God love? Is God loving? Um, something goes wrong and, and we don't like the outcome. We don't like the, the way it's happening. Um, bad things happen. People will say then clearly there either is no God or God is not love um, or he's not a loving God. How can he be a loving God if this is going on? And, and then how do we deal with that? And as a pastor, I'll be honest with you, in the last 27 years, I've gotten that question a lot. People will come into my office and they will sit down and they'll say, I can't believe in God being a loving God if 
this is going on in the world and they'll pick something. Or if this happens to somebody and they'll pick something. Um, not long ago, I had a soldier come into my office and he sat down and we were discussing Jesus and the love of God. And he had gone to Somalia and done a, a, a tour in Somalia. And he was talking about what he saw while he was there. And I was asking him if he believed in God. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't believe in God. I just, I refuse to be able to based upon what I saw. And I asked him what he saw. And he, and he talked about the starvation. And he talked about abject poverty that he saw going on. And he talked about little children that he saw on the street that, that you know, incredibly distended bellies. And, and they were in the process of starving to death. And, uh, and we were discussing God. And he made the comment about, well, if God is a loving God, then how on earth could this be going on? And I began to ask him some questions because I said, you know, I think God has the right to ask some questions too of you and I. And I said, let me ask you, sir, um, when you saw these children, what did you do about it? And you know what he said? Well, nothing. It wasn't my job. And see, that's where we as a humanity are failing because God called us to love one another. Just, just as, as he calls us to be in a relationship with him, we actually are our brother's keeper. The answer to that question, when it's asked in, in the book of Genesis, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes. The call in scripture is to esteem others as better than ourselves. And so when we look around us and we say, how can God be lo love if all of this is going on in the world? Then I think God can say, how come all of this is going on in the world that I've given you life and I've given you wealth and I've given you opportunity and you won't do anything about it? What I love about what's going on right now in our society is automobile factories stopping produ production of automobiles and producing respirators. I love that, that uh, a coffee shop will say, there's going to be free copy, uh, coffee excuse me, from here until here. We're just going to give you free coffee. I love that there's a restaurant in town that said, you know what? From, from 11 to oh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we just want to love our um, city. And so we are going to give one free lunch to everybody that goes through our drive-thru. I love that people are stepping up. I love that people are getting, I'm sorry that it's taken this kind of a, of a tragedy, but I love that we've caught the idea that, wait, I can be loving. I just wish we could understand it's, I can be loving because God loves me. That's what I want for you, is to understand that. And so that's what's going on. Because God is love, he gives you and I a free will. If we don't have a free will, how can God be love? We would just be angels or robots. So we have to have a choice in order for us to choose to love God. And God wants to be in a love relationship with us. If we can't choose to not love God, then it's not a free will and it's not love, is it, right? So because we have a free will, we have the ability to love other people, but that also means we have the ability to hurt other people. And it's not God's fault when you and I choose to hurt other people. Let's be honest about that. It's not God's fault. He's called us to love one another and to sacrifice. And we've said, no, I want what I want when I want. That's sin nature. I want what I want when I want it and how I want it. And so that's our fight. God laid down some really serious societal, let me see if I can say this word, some societal laws, okay? He laid down the law of Moses, 613 commandments. Let me just cut it out. All right, there it is. And all of these things were not to limit our fun, 
They were to set us above the disparity and the disease that was in the world. Washing our hands, um, cleanliness issues, being careful, um, health issues. Man, the book of Leviticus is full of stuff that sets the the Hebrew people above the world just in, in that idea alone. And so we see that God has laid down some law. Again, the world has chosen to say there is no God, God because I didn't get this from God or I didn't get that from God. But I love that as we see this, as we see what's going on, we have to decide, are we going to choose to understand that there is a God, okay, there is a God, and that God is love. And if there is a God and, there is a, and our God is love, then we recognize that he loves me. Do you know that he loves you? We, we need to grab a hold of this, the idea that God is compassionate. He, he's not just love, he's compassionate. He expresses it, okay? Jesus is clear to John in John 3, 16 and John 3, 17. He's clear to John and disciples, but the truth of the matter is he's teaching a guy named Nicodemus. That's what's actually going on in, in the beginning of Jap, uh, chapter 3 of the book of John. And so we take out that John 3, 16, but do you know that he's literally talking to one of the Pharisees in the ruling party in Jerusalem? And so here's Jesus talking to a man that has come to him at night. And his name is Nicodemus. And he's come and he says, what must I do to be born again? And they get into this big discussion. This big discussion. Actually, Nicodemus wants to know how to, to attain eternal life. And Jesus says, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can a man go back into his mother's womb? And they go back and forth and back and forth. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus is sharing the love of God and who God is. I love that Nicodemus comes at night because he's still not quite sure who Jesus is. I love that he comes with an honest question. This is what I love more than anything else. I love that God sits down with Nicodemus and gives him his full attention and says, let's talk while the disciples are sitting there. You get the idea that Jesus is interacting with Nicodemus himself. And and all that says to me is Jesus wants to interact with you. That my God, that the God who created you and I literally wants to sit in your living room, wants to sit in your little quiet corner of your house, wants to sit with you in your bedroom. He wants to sit with you and he wants to interact with you. Jesus could have looked at at Nicodemus and said, listen, how can you, being a leader of the church, not know all of this? Get out of here. I don't have time for this. There's people need saving. But he didn't do that. The disciples could have come and said, Nicodemus, we were here first. He picked us, but they didn't do that. Everybody sat down and Jesus in the book of John in chapter three gives Nicodemus his undivided attention and they have a discussion and that's how much God loves you. He wants to give you that kind of attention. He wants to answer your questions. He just needs to be in the relationship with you that allows him to do that. Nicodemus came into the proximity of God And then he brought his problem to God and God proliferated an answer. I just wanted to do some P things for a minute there. Okay, but here's the deal. God wanted to be in an interaction with him. Here's the deal. So Jesus says, or John is telling us, Jesus is saying that God has come into the world and the world has denied him and ignored him. Once again, he's saying that, okay? The world ignored God at a time when God was trying to speak into our pain, into our suffering, and into our hurt. It's the same thing that John opened the book of John with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and and the Word was God, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And then he goes in and and he starts saying, God came into the world, the light came into the world, and the darkness didn't perceive it. And once again in chapter 3, Jesus says the exact same thing. 
And he's just reminding us that the world has ignored God at a time when God was trying so hard. I mean, he got off the throne in heaven, came down here, and he wanted to tell us how much he loved us. And as a matter of fact, what ends up happening is he ends up getting crucified. Now, again, that was part of the plan. I'm not saying that that's not what's going on, but, but that's it, okay? God cares about our pain. He cares about our fear. He cares about our anxiety, but he doesn't want us to live in any of these things. I'm not here to make fun of people that are living in fear and living in anxiety. I'm here to let you know that God wants to enter into that. And for some of you, it may be that God takes it away. And for some of you, it may be a process. But I'm saying that the answer is found in proximity to God, in your closeness to God. And I want to encourage you. When we look at Nicodemus, we remember that he's a Pharisee. He was in charge. He was there. The killer is that, that politicians and, and, and uh, religion is always using God to, to make things happen. And I'm just saying, strip it all down. You know, the church is the people, not the building. It's not the organizational hierarchy, although that has to be there. There, there comes a place where you stop and you realize it's about you and I being in a relationship with God himself. And Nicodemus listened as, as Jesus was teaching him. He's trying to get across to Nicodemus. That's who he's speaking, John 3, 16 and 17 to. He's trying to say, Nicodemus, God's not mad at you. God's not mad at the temple. God's not mad at Jerusalem. God is not mad. As a matter of fact, he says, Nicodemus, God is so not mad. God is so in love with you that he sent his only son, that if he can convince you that he is God and that he came down here to lay his life down for you, you can have eternal life because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. And, and when Jesus says that, he's kind of kind of getting in Nicodemus's face a little bit because remember, Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which means he keeps the law and he's part of the ruling party, which means he makes up sure other people are keeping the law. So he's kind of putting it in Nicodemus's face saying, we're not here to judge people, Nicodemus. God didn't send me to judge people. He sent me to love people into the kingdom. And that's what's going on. And so he's trying to get that across to him. Um, in John 3, 19 and 21, this, this is even expounded more with Jesus when he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that what may be seen, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And the point is that, that God is inviting us out of the darkness. We don't have to be ashamed that we can come out and God has forgiveness for us. But the fact of the matter is light came in and darkness doesn't want the light. And so he's doing that. You know, an odd thing about um, light, and I get to share this every once in a while when this verse comes up. Have you ever walked into a room that's lit up like this and somebody turned on a shadow thing and all of a sudden all the light went out of the room because they turned something on? No, because when there's light and you put a shadow in the room, it doesn't drive the darkness out. But when you walk into a dark room and you turn the light on, it drives the darkness out. So the light ends up being more powerful than the dark. All we need to do is press into the light and it will drive out the darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world and we're aware of that. So we see um, John sharing with us once again, the thing that he shared as he opened up his, his scripture. Now, now we look at this 
Um, God is saying, hey, I reached out and you guys slapped my hand. I wanted to help you. But here's what I love about it. It didn't stop God from reaching out. Jesus didn't stop when the first person said no to him. Jesus didn't stop when the first oppressors came up against him. When he had opposition, he didn't quit and say, that's it. Nobody wants me. I'm going home. He didn't do that. And I love this story and I want to share this story with you. Um, from the book of Luke in chapter seven. Remember, when Luke writes his letter, Luke was not one of the disciples, okay? Um, Luke came along and he was a disciple of Paul um, in the book of Acts, in uh, Acts 16 is when he joins them. Um, but Luke is writing a letter. He writes the book of Luke or the letter to, um, that, that has his name on it to a man named Theophilus. And Theophilus is a political figure. We know that because of the title, uh, Oh Great Theophilus, okay? And so as he's writing this to him, there's some things that he wants to tell him about Jesus, specifically about the compassion of Jesus. And I want you to understand the compassion of God. I want you to look at this real quick as we, as we you know, take this to where it needs to go today. In, in the book of Luke, in chapter 7, beginning at verse 11, the scripture says this, Soon afterward, when Jesus was doing ministry, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, okay? He and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town uh, gate, um, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Now look at this. A large crowd from the town was with her. So, so I want you to see that. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd approached the gate. So Jesus, his 12 disciples, and a large crowd are heading toward the gate. A widow is coming out whose son has died, um, and so she's lost her husband, she's lost her only son, and she's being followed by a large crowd. Two large crowds coming together in this story. Kind of put yourself in what's going on, okay? So, uh, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Look at this. He didn't wait for this woman to come to him. He didn't wait for the crowd to surround him. None of the disciples walked up and grabbed him and said, hey, Jesus, you want to do something for that lady? Nobody said, hey, should we stop here and let them pass? Nobody did that. You've got a funeral procession, which is a large crowd, and you've got a prophet, which is a large crowd. And these two large crowds are coming toward the same gate. And Jesus takes the initiative and he says to this woman, don't cry. And why does he say that? Because he saw her, he saw her and his heart went out to her. You ever think about that? That Jesus sees you and his heart is coming out to you? That he's trying to pour himself. You know that the fact that you're probably even watching this message and hearing me read this passage to you is, is just the evidence that God is trying to reach into whatever's going on. In, in your life, whatever it is that maybe that's a little bit disturbed and, and you may be going through a celebration, but still God is saying, I see you. And he's not waiting for you. He's trying to reach in. He's trying to reach in just like he did to this woman. It says that, I love, I love this. He went up and touched the buyer that they were carrying the, the dead um, um, son on and the bearers, the people that were carrying it stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. He became so famous because of this that he would have to sneak into towns or wherever he would go. People would say, it's the prophet, it's that Jesus guy. He raised 
raised the dead and, and, and people began to know who he was. But, but as we look at this point, we say, they say a great prophet is coming. I love what they say, to help his people. That's the whole point that, that, that um, Jesus was sharing with Nicodemus in John 3. He said that God came to help us. God came to love us. God came to bring us back into a right relationship with him. God came because he cares what you're going through, sitting on your couch, sitting on your floor, sitting at your kitchen table, sitting with friends, sitting outside in the park, wherever it is that you're listening to this. Jesus is trying to say, I came because I care. Get your proximity. Get your proximity to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's what we're called to do. And so we see that. Put your uh, person, uh, yourself, in this woman's position. She's with a, loud, uh, a large crowd. And the fact of the matter is she's lost her son. She lost her husband, and we don't know how long ago. Uh, I'm not aware of how long ago. But, but she's lost her, her uh, husband. And then she's lost her son. Now her son is being carried on this buyer, you know, and, and she's being, he's being carried through town. They're going to take him out and they're going to bury him. And she's weeping and there's probably professional weepers behind her. And, and then the crowd is coming that love her. And Jesus comes in and we don't know that he's ever met this woman before in his life. We have no reason to believe that he knows this woman. But as he's coming in, he sees her and his heart goes out to her. Just like it's going out to you right now. Because the Lord cares, it cares about you. And so we look at this, and, and the first thing that I want to share with you is Jesus' heart went out. He came, God came because he saw our need. He saw our need, he saw our hurt, he sees our pain, and he loves us so much. And this is another time, this story that I'm sharing with you from the book of Luke, is another time where we see that God didn't come down here and fold up his arms and say, well, unless you act right, think right, do right, be right, I don't want anything to do with you. He sees filthy sinners, and he says, my heart goes out to them. And that's what we see going on here. That's what we see in this story. The second thing that I see is that Jesus went up and he touched the thing, okay? You know, as soon as he touched that thing, it made him unclean, okay? From Jewish law perspective. That was a dead person on that, that, pot, that buyer. And, and on that buyer um, was a dead guy. And so what he was on is dead or is, is filthy, is, is corrupt. So when he touches it, he becomes corrupt. And that's incredibly important. And so he touches it. I remember the first funeral that I ever did as a pastor. Um, it was a friend of mine. I hadn't known him very long. I went up and I touched his face. He was lying in the casket and there was somebody with me that said, how on earth can you do that? Oh my word, that person is dead. It kind of gave him the willies. It was kind of a little creepy to them. And it's like, because I love that person and I know that person and that's their home and they're not home anymore. They've gone, but that's still their shell and it does not creep me out. It did not make me unclean. But as I went up and I touched that, that, that person that was in that casket and I said goodbye under my breath and, and I thanked God for them going home, my heart was for the people that were behind me, knowing that I was going to be doing the, the funeral service in just a moment. But my heart was for their family. The joy was that that person was at home with Jesus, to be separate from our bodies, to be in the presence of God. And so I could, I could celebrate that with him. The last thing that I want to share with you is that Jesus gave to this woman. That that's what happened. God came to give. You know, God gives and he gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. And, 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 and here it is, he gives. You know, when Jesus raised that young man from, from the dead, okay, and he says, here's your son, here's the crazy part. The guy had to die again later, some other time. Not now, but some other time. I don't know about you. Now listen, he didn't get to go to heaven because Jesus had not prepared a place for us in heaven yet. He had not risen and paid for our sins and then risen from the dead. So 
He didn't get to go to heaven, but the fact of the matter is he had to die again. Same thing happened with Lazarus. If you're familiar with that story when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, you know, he'd been in the grave for four days and he comes out and in my head, he's going, Jesus, what the heck? I was, I was at peace. I didn't have to put up with all this coronavirus stuff going on. I, what, what do you need from me? And, and he's out, but and then he has to die again. It's like, he's got to go through it again. But the point of the story is Jesus came and he came to give. God gave his only son. Jesus gave life back to this woman's son. God gives us life. God gives us purpose. God gives us redemption. God gives us hope and love and peace in this world. God is preparing a place for us so that he can give us a place to be with him. And yet, as God gives and gives and gives and gives, a lot of time all we do is say, give me, give me, give me, give me to God. And then we wonder why God isn't good. And yet God all this time is trying to show us how compassionate he is. God loves you. And he's aware of what you're going through. And he wants to walk up and touch whatever it is that is that's dead that you're carrying because his heart has gone out to you. And he wants to be there. I love this, this, this verse I'm sharing. As he approached Jerusalem, Scripture says, and saw the city, he wept over it. Our God cries for humanity. He's not mad at, at, at addicts. He's not mad at gay people. He's not mad. He hates the sin. But he came for the sinner. And we can't lose sight of that. Do you feel like you're carrying a burden right now? Whatever you're going through, does it feel like the weight is just a little too much for you? And you're in your home and nobody sees you or you're in your home with your family and you're crying and you're just, you're just, you're carrying something dead. Or maybe you've come to Jesus with a question at night because you're not sure what he feels about you. I want you to know that God is love and God is compassionate. And John is saying, I saw God compassionate. And God is compassionate for you too. And, and he wants to answer that care. So today I just want to tell you that I woke up feeling something for single parents or single people. And at a time like this in our lives, I just want to encourage you, it's on you to stay uh, connected. You've got to stay connected to friends and things like that. It's important that you make phone calls on a regular basis. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling depressed, it's important for you to be proactive and do something about it. Learn how to play Yahtzee on, on, on Skype if that's all you do or on FaceTime. But be connected with people. Do not be alone, okay? Listen to the authorities. Do it digitally but make sure you're connecting on a regular basis. Um, beyond that, I just want you to know that we want to pray for you. Any of you that are out there, you can go to uh, vineyardrichmond.com to our website, or you can go to um, Vineyard Richmond on our Facebook site as well. Um, and if there's something we can pray for you about, some way that we can be interacting with you, um, to share with you, to care for you, we want to do that. Listen to me, just because there's something going on doesn't mean life stops. Don't forget to live. We still have a life to live. And remember, God loves you, and the compassion of God is, is all around you.